Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I, I want to share this word because I feel it's a, an important word. Um, the theme is growing pains. And uh, it's funny that we're talking about pain, right? Um, but the thing is, most people, when they're young, have pain associated with particularly rapid growth, when they have physical growth. They have pain, and a lot of um, young boys, I, I have experienced a bit of growing pain. I don't know if some of you have memory of that. Some of us are probably a little bit older and don't have memory way back then, but some of you younger ones do, and I see one or two nods of heads. Um, so there's physical pains associated with growing. I mean, obviously, we can't go back and remember what it was like when we were birthed, but there was, they say that there's pain associated with that process that you know we go through and so there's pain in the birth process certainly our mother would be able to tell us that there was a whole lot of pain associated with that um but as we grow there's pain associated with that growth and as i was reflecting on on that and the theme growing pains um Shek and i were doing this funny game where we during the week where we um listen to something on youtube and we have to work out where it's from so it's kind of like old sitcom theme songs and stuff like that. And then the one came up for an old sitcom from back in the 80s. Some of you might remember it. Some of you weren't even born. Um, but one called Growing Pains. And the story of Growing Pains was this, it's just a family. Now, um, if, if some of you know who Michael J. Fox is, the guy who was the, the lead player in, or the lead in um, Back to the Future series, he was the lead, one of the lead characters in this sitcom. This is kind of what brought him to fame, um, called Growing Pains. And the story is simply about a family who um, had to deal with life. And when you deal with life and you've got diverse characters around you, you know, like you've got, if you've got brothers and sisters, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you've got children, you'll know what I'm talking about. I've got five kids, right? And every one of my five children are different. And so as they're growing, there's a whole lot of dynamics in the family environment that are kind of interesting. And as you watch children grow and how, as they tussle with each other, they get to teenage years and they try to work out who they are and their own personality and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of pain associated with that growth. Um, and the dynamic of a family growing. Now, I remember when we had our first child, um, I was nervous as anything, you know? And, you know, the water's broken. Let's get to the hospital. Come on, we've got to get there, you know? Panic stations, get down to the hospital, and then you're waiting for eight hours for this child to come along. You're like, what the heck? We rushed and everything, and, <laughs> and you just got to wait. Well, by the time we had, we're going for number three, it was like, let's stop at Macca's on the way, you know, for breakfast. And we had changed. Why? Because we'd learnt some stuff along the way, hadn't we? we discovered that it, you don't have to panic. The child's going to come, it's going to turn up, and the doctors are pretty good. The, my daughter, my eldest daughter, is now a midwife, and, uh, and she's really good at helping people deliver their babies, right? So, 
you grow, families grow, you grow through the pains, and sometimes there's a lot of tussles along the way. How many people know that it's not smooth sailing in families, right? Relationships can be very stressful, can be very difficult. You know that you've got pains in every area of growth in life. Do you know that if you're on a town planning committee, has anyone ever been on a town planning committee? I can tell you now, if you've ever sat in one of those committees, did, did you put up your hand? You were on a town, this was back in Holland, I bet. Yeah, see? You know what it's like. People submit plans of what they want to do, and then you have to look at them and go, do we want that in our town? You know, people want high-rise buildings where you don't want high-rise buildings. And then there's the tussle, there's the fight. Do we want this? Do we want that city to be changed like that? And then you've got cities that you look at and you go, there was no planning involved in this at all. Like, has anyone ever tried to drive through Sydney on a straight run? Right? Before they put the freeways in, because I was living there before they put the freeways in, right? It was a nightmare. Like, now they're starting to catch up, but it's the slow catch-up, right? All this stuff, but then you go to Melbourne and you think, somebody planned this. I don't know why, but they did, right? But it's all grids, see? And you go to Adelaide. We, I've lived in Melbourne. I've lived in Adelaide. It's grids. And it looked like somebody actually planned. They have, in Adelaide, they've got a road called Diagonal Road. Wonder why it's called Diagonal Road? Because it runs diagonally across all the others. Because everything's a grid. And the one that doesn't go with the grid, it goes diagonal, is called Diagonal Road for a reason. Because when they were planning it, they go, you know what? It'd be so much easier than everyone having to go like this and like that to get there. So let's put a diagonal road through the middle. So the, the town was planned. And then, of course, you go to Sydney, right? No planning. And if you remember back, some of you are old enough to remember what Sydney was like back in the day. The streets were so small and the roads were so small. Anyone remember what the Pacific Highway used to be like before they became a three-laner? Oh, my goodness. You know, and you only need to have the smallest little accident and everybody's held up, right? Why? Because there was no planning. And so as you grow, particularly rapid growth, there's pain associated with that because suddenly you realise, oh, we have to change. Oh, I don't like change. <laughs> oh, that's going to be costly. That's going to be painful that there's going to be a whole bunch of people who don't like that i don't know whether we should do that you know and then there's the fight that goes on right well there's nothing different in the spiritual side of things and in the church the church is a place where change hurts there's pain associated with change and in fact a lot of us when i say us i'm just talking about us in general christians um we don't like change to the point where we're just not growing up in the Lord because we're resistant to whatever Holy Spirit's trying to do. Why? Because we have a set grid or a set framework that we focus or relate everything around us through. How many people know that you have a framework or a filter that you process information through? And that filter has basically been established in you since you were a child, right? So your experiences, we've heard um, a testimony of somebody who had incredible difficulty in their childhood growing up. 
and then the impact that that had on the way that they relate to certain people in their journey is a reflection of the filter that has been established in their mind because of all the pain that they experienced. How many people know that you only need to have a few incidents in your life that were negative in a certain area that you are now no longer able to function well in that area, like driving a car, the experience of certain relationships in life. And all of this you bring with you when you come to Christ. All of it. And it doesn't matter how old you were when you came to Christ. Um, Sometimes the older you are, the harder it is to change because you've got a longer history. But you can have someone who's fairly young who's still got a very powerful history. Um, I was sharing this morning about how um, my wife Shakina, who was raised in a hippie family, right? So if you're raised in a, in a family that is very hippie-ish, um, your reality is your reality. And at three years of age, her mother made sure that she knew that her reality is her reality. And so when Sheck said, I want to go to church with my neighbours, her mum said, well, your reality is your reality. And, but the thing was, the moment they moved to Holland, all that changed and the association with Christians changed. And so Sheck found herself in a situation where all the influences of her childhood growing up in a free living family meant that everything she processed in life was through that grid. Right? And we will all have our own story about how we process life. Every one of us. And it doesn't matter. You can be a brother and a sister in the same family and have a different grid in the way you process things. Because you could have a sister who's been abused and you never even knew it. And you wonder why every time certain things happen, she reacts or responds in a certain way. Right? So that's the foundation for the fact that when we come to Christ, there's a call on us, every single one of us, to grow into a place of maturity. But there's some things in the way of that process that if we can somehow get to a place where we can deal with it, we can grow up in God. Now, I want to read a passage of Scripture that will be the foundation for these thoughts. All right? So, um, whenever I think of maturity in the body of Christ, and whenever I think of the church growing up into its fullness of maturity, I always go back to Ephesians chapter 4. All right? Now, Ephesians 4 has what I believe is the, the foundational five-fold basis for leadership in the church. But it's not just those few verses, it's, it's, it's the verses that precede those which are oftentimes left out of the, of the reading. So I want to read from Ephesians 4 verse 1. Now I'm going to give you a hint to where we're going, that in the first few verses of this is, a, is some keys to unlock the maturity process that Paul talks about later on in the passage. Okay, so that's just a hint. We're going to go back to the first few verses um, in a little while and just unpack that. So I want to read Ephesians 4 verse 1. 
As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, Paul was a prisoner, right? Now, he had many seasons of his, of his um, journey as a leader in the church where he was put in prison. He was one of those guys who never backed down from the calling of God on his life. And here he was in prison, speaking to the church at large, calling them up. Right? He's calling them up to a place where they too will not back down from the calling of God on their life. So he's reminding them, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, he's made that statement and he goes on, he said, there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, just before we go on, I just want you to have a look at this picture of what's being painted here. Imagine Paul seeing himself as, you know, like the daddy of a family, And there's a whole lot of commotion going on in the family. And he's trying to draw them back to a place not only of maturity, but of unity. So he identifies, guys, it's one body. We have one spirit. We have one hope. So he's calling them back. So if I were to say to you, you have the same spirit in you that I have in me. If you call Jesus Christ your Lord, then we have a bond, yeah? We have a connection point of one spirit, the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, there are other spirits out there, and we might have to deal with them along the way. But what he's identifying is that those who are in the body of Christ are part of one body, not two bodies, not, you know, the Ephesus body and the Galatians body, but one body, just in different places, Okay, I, I love that about what Paul's saying here. Right, but to each of us, he says, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Gifts is the word charis, which is the root of grace, which is grace, which means gift. So the charis, so if you think of charismata, the charismatic movement is the, the movement of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the giving of gifts. So he says, as Christ apportioned it, he gave gifts to his people. And then in brackets in my Bible, it says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And he's talking about the fact that when Christ died, he went down and broke hell open. You know? And uh, you can read that in other parts of Scripture. So Christ himself gave, and then he talks about the gifts that he's given, the graces. Yeah? He gave apostles. Right? Now, where are we? I've just lost my place. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. All right, now I'm just going to, I'm going to finish off the rest in just a moment. In, in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, Paul talks about, he, he's talking to the Hebrew people. Well, we believe it's Paul who's written that. Some people would say we're not so sure, but there's a lot of people would say they believe Paul wrote Hebrews, right? So the writer to the Hebrews, let's just put it in those terms, spoke about being like infants. He said, by now, come on guys, by now you should be teachers. But you're still sucking on milk. Instead of eating solid food, meat. And he's, he's saying, come on guys, we need to be maturing to the point where we are, our growth. See, he's, talking, he's calling us up, yeah? He's calling us up to a place of maturity in the body of Christ. Right, so here, back to this passage. Instead, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, that's important, right? So, what he's calling us to, and if you go back to the first part, He's calling us to be Christ-like, to be like Christ. Jesus was the epitome of maturity. He was the fullness of God incarnate. And so as we look at Christ, we see the fullness of God, the full mature man of God. And so we ought to aspire to that level of maturity. And we are called up to that level of maturity as a body of Christ, so that we're no longer drinking milk, which is what happens when someone comes to Christ. They don't know much about Christ. They don't know much about the Christian walk. They haven't read a lot of the Bible yet. And so it's, it's, it's a slow, well, it, it might be a fast process, but it's all the basics, yeah? But as we grow in the basics, we build foundations. And as we build foundations, the maturity starts to grow. What is the byproduct of this maturity is how we relate to the rest of the body of Christ as Christ did as we relate to the world around us as Christ did and so as we grow up in him the reflection of that growing up or the reflection of that maturity is going to be how we reciprocate Christ's attitudes his mindsets, his way, in the way we relate to the world around us and the people around us. And yet, you know, we're, we're a social media world now and yet you don't need to look very far to see how messed up the church is. You don't need to look very far at all. Because, you know, 20 years ago, none of this existed. There was no social media. And so we didn't, I didn't know what you really thought. I certainly didn't know what you had for breakfast. Right? <laughs> right? But now I know when you have your coffee. Because you posted on Facebook. It's coffee time, you know. I mean, I know that 
not everybody in this, this room is going to share their life, but we've become a society that likes to share our life with the people around us. That's what it has become. I mean, we didn't even have mobile phones. You know, you young people are thinking, yourself, what? How can that be? But that's the way it was. You know, we used to use the little dialy phone. And some people here probably, I don't know, it was back in the push button days, some of you. You know? And so the world has evolved. But as the world has evolved, we've become more and more aware of what's going on. Now, if something's going on in the other side of the world, it doesn't take three months for that newspaper to arrive. It's there in 30 seconds. Less than. And we know. We know what's happening in Detroit or Chicago or, you know, some riot on on another part of the world. We know what the President of the United States or the Prime Minister of England or whatever has said in the last 30 seconds because we've got it all on our digits, on our gadgets, on on our gadgets in front of us, right? So that's the world we live in. And we can see each other. The problem with that is we become very aware of our differences. Now, here's where the problem lies. Most of us, we're tribal. Right? What I mean by that is all our, the parameters of how we think and function, like so the grid that I process my information through, I'm looking for somebody who's going to agree with me. Right? Because that makes me feel comfortable. Because that makes me feel okay. I'm okay when, when you agree with me. But when you don't agree with me, that's when I get a little bit threatened. And so what I'll do, and I'm just speaking in general terms, I'll disassociate with the people who disagree with me, or I'll fight them. Publicly. <laughs> on Facebook. Or Twitter, or whatever avenue there is these days to do that right now what happens is when I do that it reflects something it reflects my immaturity my inability both of those reactions by the way reflect my immaturity my tribalism where I retreat from everybody who disagrees with me because I don't know how to have a good argument and I really don't like it because it gets really nasty so even that there might be a level of maturity in that but it's still an immature thing because I'm not learning to be Christ to the world around me. I'm actually just retreating. And I'm oftentimes retreating from my brothers and sisters. But then the other side of it is there are people who just want to fight or want to engage and want to tell, I want to tell you that I'm right. Oh, I've been a such and such, I've been a pastor for 30 years. I know my stuff, you know. I've been preaching since, you know, Adam was a child, you know. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, some, and it might be anything. It might be cars. Oh, you, you can't tell me about cars. I've been a motor mechanic since I was 23. You know? And it doesn't matter what the subject is. We'll engage with the people around us based on what we believe is right. That doesn't necessarily reflect maturity. And when it comes to the body of Christ and when it comes to growing together into unity, one of the reasons why we don't see unity in the body of Christ is because we're so tribal. And the reason we're so tribal is because we're not willing to allow for diversity within the body of Christ. 
Which is interesting because God makes it very clear in many scriptures that the body of Christ is a body with many different parts. Isn't it interesting that it says here that the gifts or the graces were apportioned as Christ apportioned them. Do you know what a portion is? A portion is not the whole. A portion is not the whole. You know, one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was the fact that I can't do everything. It's true. I wanted to be everything. Every time I went to pray for people, I wanted to be able to see a breakthrough. But I learnt along the way that sometimes the breakthrough comes through the collective body working together as one. And in fact, I think that's the way God wants it. So somebody will have a, a gift of discernment, which is really strong, and another person has a gift of faith, which is really strong, and another person has a gift of miracles, which is really strong, and another person has a gift of hospitality, which is really strong. And when we learn to work together and appreciate each other, regardless of how different we might be, and right now I'm just talking about differences in giftings, but there's differences in personalities, there's differences in theological mindsets. You can have someone who's got a gift which is strong on their life, but certain areas of their life you completely disagree with, and so you say, no, I don't want anything to do with that person. And yet if Christ were in that room physically, I wonder how he would respond to that person. He might respond very differently to the way we do. If Christ was sitting next to you physically while you're typing that response on Facebook, I wonder if you would do it differently. If he was whispering in your ear, or if you would say, Jesus, what do you think of this response? You'd say, uh, nah, come on. I think we can do better than that. Right? And for those of us who are a little bit older, pre all this modern technology it doesn't matter whether you're talking about technology or not social media or not it's still the way we relate to people that reflects where we're at so here's the question that i think needs to be answered how do we get to a place where we fulfill what paul is talking about here about the body of christ becoming mature and let's face it, the world is so perilous right now that it needs a mature church. It doesn't need more infighting in the church to reflect Christ. We don't need to be like little children fighting in the back seat of a car on the way somewhere. We need to be sitting in the front seat with Jesus going, Jesus, where are we going? Where are we going? Come on, I'm so excited about this. Rather than sitting in the back seat, fighting over spilt ice cream. Oh, God, he touched me. <laughs> you know, don't make me come back there. <laughs> right? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun, but here's the thing. Paul sets out in this passage of scripture, I believe five keys. Very simple, but five keys to helping us get to a place of maturity in the body of Christ so that we can mature. And I want to take you back to verses 2 and 3. He says, be completely humble. Now what he's done is he's just said to them, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Then he goes on and says, be completely humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There are five things, and I'm just going to quickly unpack as we finish up. So, what was first? Humble, be humble. Humility. Is it possible that I could ever be wrong? Is it possible that I could be wrong? No. Really? You know, if we can't come to a place where we recognise we don't have it all together, we don't know everything there is to know, then we are in a position to actually be humble. But when we want to be right all the time, in every circumstance, we want everyone to know. If you're in a group and you want everybody to know how good you are, and how amazing you are, and how good your knowledge of Scripture is, and how amazing your healing ability is in the grace of God, and you just want to be right all the time, and you want to, and, and every debate that comes up, you're thinking, how can I challenge that? How can I? You're not humble. Because humility is willingness to look at yourself and go, you know what, I don't have it all together. And uh, I recognize that. Man, I could learn even from somebody who has a very different lifestyle and a different approach to me. I can still learn from them because they might know something I don't know. And so it's, it's approaching people from a place of humility where we, we don't need to boast about who we are. There's, a, there's power in that, in, in the ability to not have to boast. Because boasting... Uh, Paul says, I boast, what in, I boast in my weakness. Right? He's not boasting in his strength. He said, no, I could. And he goes on and says, you know, oh, Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, he's got all these credentials. He said, I don't boast in any of that stuff. I boast in my weakness. I have been shipwrecked more times than you. I've been stoned more times than you. And he's not talking about drugs. <laughs> Right, And he's just sort of, guys, he says, I am full on for Jesus. And I'm asking you to get to a place in your journey with God where you're so full on for him that you'll go through, you're willing to go through whatever God calls you to. And that comes from a place of humility. If we are to grow, we need to admit that we don't know everything about God. And there's so much more to learn. Amen? That's a, that's a good starting point, humility. Right? The second thing he says is gentleness. How do we respond to people who don't agree with us? Is important. Because when we respond, we reflect our character. Now, I've got to say, I, I was a bullish kind of a young man. I, 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 thought, I grew up in the church and I thought I knew everything. And, and I'm quite ashamed to say that I was quite willing to get into arguments with many people over doctrine. And it wasn't until I was probably into my, towards the end of my first year of Bible college, back in 1989, that I realised I probably don't know hardly anything. And then it took me another 20, 30 years before I realised that I really, really, really don't know much. (laughs) And the more you grow in God, if you're 
if you're willing to assess your life, you'll realise, man, there's so much more to learn. And so when we come to a place of humility, then out of that, there is opportunity for a gentle approach to our brothers and sisters. You know there's going to be people in the church who you don't actually like? And God says, love them. Even your enemies, he calls us to love. Wow, how ridiculous is that? But that's Jesus' truth. He's the master of maturity. And he calls us to love even our enemies. And we're so tribal, we don't want anything to do with anybody who doesn't even agree with us. The moment something goes wrong, we walk. That's our culture. And we've been trained that way. And God says, I want to take you up. And so our response ought to be gentle. I've had, even in the last couple of years, some not-so-gentle responses coming out of me. And usually in times of weakness, where I'm extremely exhausted or tired of a situation, and let's face it, the enemy knows how to manoeuvre around us to get us to our weak point where we crash and burn in relationships with people. Maturity, as it grows in us, it gives us a a place where what's coming out is coming from the spirit of God and not from the spirit of man. And when we get to that place, maturity starts to take place. Because what we're building towards is unity. What we're building towards is a platform where the body of Christ is able to function together as the bride of Christ, the glorious bride of Christ who is called in these last days to stand as one and declare the truths of God upon the earth and to take the kingdom by storm. Amen? That's what we're called to. But we can't because we're so disunified. And so God says, come on, come back to Scripture. Paul's laid it out a couple of thousand years ago. We can learn from this. All right? So gentleness. The third thing is patience. Wow. Give me patience. Give it to me now. <laughs> Quickly. Hurry up with your patience, God. Because I need it. Right? You know how hard it is to just wait for something? Have you ever been in a lineup at McDonald's waiting for food and it doesn't come quick enough? And we're used to it coming quick. Because when they started doing that, it was a new thing. But now it's normal. And because it's normal, you know what? As a bus driver, I know I've got sometimes just a few minutes to get a cup of coffee. And if I go into a cafe and there's more than four people in the lineup, I have to walk away because I know it's not going to happen quick enough because I've got to be back on that bus and I've got to be driving away. And I've had times where I've paid and everything and I've said, I'm sorry, I've got to leave. And I just walk out and leave my money behind because I don't have time. And the thing is, in life... We want everything now. And that's why sometimes we walk away from important relationships that God puts us into because it's not happening quick enough. We want everything to happen now. We want revival now. We want the Holy Ghost to fall now in this meeting. Why? I don't know. I think sometimes the church, we want it because we want to get credit for something. Right? People want the world to see, because now, of course, if the revival did hit, 
Man, the whole world's going to be watching. Man, I want it in my meeting. Why is that? Because I want to get credit for it. Because everybody's going to see me. They're going to see how awesome I am as the leader. Man, I tell you what, there's so many people in the body of Christ, leaders, who are just like that. Sad to say. You know, and let's just wait until more people come online before I start telling you how awesome it, the thing is I'm about to tell you. Because some of you might miss it. But everybody can share it anyway. And you can watch it later. But here's the thing, that's, that's the world we live in right now. And, and not all of that's bad, and not all of it comes out of a bad heart or a bad... But let me, let me tell you, friends, we want stuff now. We need to have patience for people who see things differently to the way we do. We need to have patience for people whose grid is different whose framework is different, whose worldview is different, who are diversely opposed to us in the body of Christ even. If we don't, we'll be tribal. And if we're tribal in the body of Christ, we're against each other. Even if we're not declaring that. Well, I just have my group over here. We'll just do our own thing. Thank you very much. We don't like what you do. We're not going to agree with anything you do. But what about when Jesus wants it? What about when Jesus wants unity in the city? Across the churches? And we pray for a revival, but we're not prepared to be patient with one another. Okay, number four, bearing with one another in love. Now, I think of those words, bearing with one another, as kind of sounds to me like putting up with each other. I'll bear with that. I'll bear with you. Well, you better bear with me too, because we're different. And sometimes I'll say things, I'll put my foot in my mouth, and I'll offend you, and I don't mean to. And if you run away because I've offended you, then I'm sorry. But that happens, doesn't it, in the body of Christ? True story, eh? We've got to get to a point where we can bear with one another, but what? Not as grumpy people. I'm pulled up with you in my meeting. No, love. Bear with one another in love. Love one another as I have loved you, says Christ. Amen? All right. So... We bear with one another. We bear with each other's differences. We bear with each other's doctrines. Some doctrines are quite diabolically wrong and they're rooted in wrong thinking. But if someone is stuck there and we're called to just dialogue with them, it's not about us portraying our truth over the top of theirs. It's just living our truth And allowing God to show... There might be some truth to what some people are doing or saying that we go, oh, I haven't learnt that yet. And you think, well, I know the Word of God. I I thought I knew the Word of God when I was 30. Now, I don't believe I know the Word of God. I read the Word of God and I'm constantly wanting more revelation. And if we can have that in our heart, 
we're on the track towards greater maturity. But the moment we get to the point where we think we got it all worked out, man, I think we could be in a whole lot of trouble. We've got to grow up, and by gr- in order to grow up, we've got to be able to have relationships in the body of Christ. We've got to relate with one another because these gifts that have been given, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the church generally rejected the thought that there could ever be a, an apostle today. Let alone prophets. Now, it's been a gradual resurgence of these things, but, but of course, you know, it's like there's people in the world who call themselves apostles or prophets or evangelists or whatever. Some of them have it in their title. And you think, wow, where did you get that title from? Out of a Wheaties packet? It doesn't seem to have come from Jesus because I don't see any reflection of him in the way you're behaving right now. But then I still need to love and respect those people. And even if God calls me to work alongside some people who are outside of my sphere of, you know, like in the city of Newcastle, God, I believe God wants to do amazing things in this city. How many people believe that? Yeah? Do you know that's not going to happen unless there's unity in the body of Christ? It's not going to happen if we continue to fight with one another. And the reason we do that is because we're not mature. We haven't grown up. We could come back to Ephesians 4 and go, yeah, prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Wow, we've even got some apostles uh, some apostles now, you know, yay. But if we haven't gone to the start and gone, well, I'm going to bear with one another in love. What was the last thing that he said? Maintain the unity in the bond of the Spirit. Maintain Unity in the bond. In fact, I think there was another few words at the end to do with peace. Let me just read that out again. Where was it? Through the bond of peace. So, maintain unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's the actual words. Maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Peace is so important, isn't it? But peace comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from man. It comes through man. But it's the Holy Spirit manifesting the peace. The peace that transcends all human understanding. And so if we want to see unity, it has to come from a place of peace. Peace with one another. Through what? The bond of the Spirit. That's where we come back to. We have the same Spirit. You and I living inside of us. Regardless of the framework And this is where we need to have a little bit of patience and a little bit of understanding to know, I don't know your story. So I don't know why you think the way you think. I don't know why. And so if I have an aversion to the way you think, it's because I'm not willing to accept that your journey is so interesting and so diverse that... How could, you know, in my mind, I might be thinking, well, how could God possibly work through this person? Look at what they do. Look at the way they react. Look at the way they dress. Look at the, look at the way they want to do church. They want bells and whistles. They want candles. Oh, my goodness. You know, and then you look around and you've got a lava lamp and you're thinking, oh, how unholy is that? 
I love it. Right? But here's the thing, right? Um, it's over there. There's the lava lamp. There's the lava lamp there. So, here's the thing, right? The body of Christ is so diverse that when we start to realize that, you know what, some people actually get close to God through burning candles. And some people like to dress up when they preach. Some people might, they might not actually like it. It might just be the culture of the church that they're a part of and they have to do it. But they do it because that's what's expected of them. And you know what? It doesn't matter. That's all the peripheral stuff. And you think, well, why don't you just change? Well, some people can't change. Some people, their culture is so entrenched and their filter is so established that it's hard for them to change. We have to be patient with one another. We need to bear with one another in love, even if we have a difference of opinion. It's okay. You know what? I was listening to Larry Sparks uh, during the week. Uh, Larry Sparks is a prophet out of the United States. He came out to um, Australia last year, and I got to be a part of the worship team that led worship for a meeting that he had, which was really cool. Um, I didn't know him, but I got to know him through that meeting, and I think some of you, you were there, weren't you, Sam? Yeah? Um, it was a great meeting, and the Holy Spirit really moved powerfully. Right? And so I've, I've watched and listened to him, because he comes across, he's a very mature leader. And when I hear someone who's got a mature approach, and is able to reflect on what's going on in the body of Christ without a biased opinion one way or the other, but still you can see Holy Spirit in the middle of it. You know, so yesterday he posted this thing, was, I think it was yesterday morning, um, and I was just listening to him, and he was, he was horrified at the fact that some people within the body of Christ have been um, lampooning Todd White, who's also a very proficient um, evangelist, who's come out recently and said, I'm repenting of doing something a certain way. And so they've come out, oh, Todd White has repented and they've made this big statement. But the reality, what he was doing was saying, I'm repenting of not giving people the opportunity to receive the gospel as often as I have. Because I want to do it more. That's what you're repenting of. And you think, wow. And, and there's parts of the church that just want to rip, rip him to shreds, right? So Larry Sparks comes out in defense of that. But he said, friends, we need diversity in the church. Because we're all different. And we need to celebrate the fact that we are different. Rather than ripping us, each other to shreds, we ought to just love on each other. And he just highlighted a couple of people in the media and, and Christian media, particularly in the States, who are the constant ones who are harassing people within the spirit movement, the glory, spirit, Holy Spirit movement. He said, look, I don't agree with what they say and they don't agree with what I say, but I need to respect them as leaders in the church, even if we have differences of opinion. And I love when I hear that from a leader in the body of Christ saying, you know what? I'm not going to get up and publicly lampoon them like they're lampooning my friend. But what I will say is, I don't agree with what they say, and I'd like to have some conversations with them, but we've got to learn to love one another, friends, regardless. You know, there's some people who don't believe that the Holy Spirit still moves today and heals today, and they're called cessationists. I've got a couple of them that work with me at work. 
They're quite horrified at the fact that I tell them about a healing story. You sure that wasn't the devil? (laughs) Seriously, that's the response I get. You sure that wasn't the devil? How do you know it wasn't a demon healing that person? I'm like, really? You know, like, anyway, you know. But I just love them. You know, and we've got to be that way. And so for us to be mature... We, and, and for us to come to a place where I believe the Holy Spirit will move through us as a body of Christ in this city, we've got to come to a place of maturity. And that means accepting one another in love. Even if we have differences of opinion. Even if we look different, act different, have different theology. What is our common denominator? Jesus Christ. We have what? One body. One body of Christ. We have one spirit. We have one hope. Yeah, and this is what Paul's talking about. And if we can get to that place, I believe that we have got to a place where maturity is possible. Amen? That's the call of God on our life. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and any other gift, any other grace that is released within the body of Christ has a purpose. And those purposes are to bring us all to a place of maturity. Amen? All right. I think I'm done for the night. Thank you, Lord. Well, actually, a verse. You got a verse? You just like, you were talking and it popped in my head. Yep. Um, Luke 6, 32 to 35. Just read it. Read that out. Luke 6. You can read it out as well. Oh, yeah, you can read it. Okay, Luke 6, 32 to 35. It says, If you love them which love you, what thanks have you? Sinners also love those who love them. If you do good to them, which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also even do the same. If you lend to them who you hope to receive, what thanks have you? For sinners also do the same. And then it just says again, love you your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing. Um, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. That's what pops in my head, like um, when you were like, how we have to treat each other yeah. when they disagree with us. It's like they're difficult, right? That's just how we think. But it's actually, you should be the children of the highest because you love those who are difficult to love. Yeah. That's so good, Bryson. And you know, Jesus said, How will they know that you're my disciples? that you love one another, all right? So the reflection of truth about our discipleship in Christ is that we love each other, regardless of our differences, amen? Isn't that good? Wow, that's powerful. Why don't we just pray into that for a minute and then we'll finish up. Thank you, Father, that you have established your word, which is true, and you've used people like Paul to release truth 2,000 years ago that is still true today. Lord, help us as your church to rise up into a place of unity despite our diversity. Lord, help us to grow up in you into the full stature of Christ, as the word says. Lord, that we might be like you in all our ways. And so, Lord, I just pray your blessing upon your people right now. Anyone who comes into the hearing of this word, um, Lord, I just pray, Father, that there will be a, a growth that takes place 
in each of us to the point where if we have um, a trouble with a brother or a sister in Christ that is not resolved, that we would seek you for the resolution. We may need to forgive. We may need to ask forgiveness. We may need to repent even of an attitude or an approach that we have had um, before you about the way we go about our life. Lord, so we just submit ourselves to you. We want to grow into what you have called us to, into a place where we can mature. And Lord, as we submit to those who have been brought to lead around us, Lord, and we do that in a godly way, Lord, help us to receive from the gifts that you've given. So some, Father, will be very strong in certain areas that you've gifted them. And Lord, we want to be able to receive from them. There are churches in this city that have a strong call in a particular area. And, uh, and Lord, we want, to, we want that, that, that calling on their lives and that grace that you've bestowed upon that body, that community, to be released in the community. I thank you for the young people who are here tonight who represent a group that are calling themselves the Jesus people. And Lord, I pray that the grace that is upon them would be received in this city. And Lord, as they grow up in you, and I, I just see so much more maturity um, in them at this time, um, 12 months after we first connected. And I thank you for that growth in each of these young people. And I pray for the leaders that are part of that group. And I know there's a couple here today. And Lord, I just pray that as they grow forward in you and become more and more like you in this city, that the light that you shine through them would be strong, particularly amongst the next generation who you have called them to, which many of us are not able to reach because of the virtue of our age or of the virtue of the how late at night we're willing to stay up. <laughs> and so, Father, we just bless these young people to be an amazing, shining light in this city. Um, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.